With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. It's all Christmas music at my house. I can't get away from it. Is it really? It's all Christmas music oh, all the time. No, yeah. I'm so sorry. I posted that picture on Instagram, and, yeah. and, and one of our patrons, Chris, said he, he envisioned <laughs> it being taken while Christmas music was playing in the background. He was right. I showed <laughs> oh, that to no. my wife, that comment to my wife, and she was like, well, so what? I was like, because it's – anyway. <laughs> how do you, you know how what? Do you back your way out of that yeah. one? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. A quick reminder real quick. Happy Tuesday. This is our last topic Tuesday before our break. Next week, this time next week, we will not have a podcast. We are taking Christmas week off. We will miss two podcasts yeah, that Tuesday, yeah. that Friday of next week. Get a bit of a we break. We will be back, though, for New Year's Eve to do our massive end-of-year wrap-up podcast, talk about things going forward. We're going to do our uh, – uh, cars of the year, kind of our way. We're going to take a, mm-hmm. a, a one mm-hmm. of you wrote in an idea about us filling the greatest hits trailer. We're going to talk through that. We've got some cool content coming in January. We're going to do a bunch of breakdowns of a lot of manufacturers talking about best cars from manufacturers all through January. So there's cool stuff coming. Absolutely, yeah. This is my big tease because we're thinking we're, we're always thinking a little bit ahead. We we you and I just planned the back half of like 2020. <laughs> Five minutes ago. So here's the deal. Todd comes over when we podcast. He comes yes. over about, and he knows now. If he oh, if yeah. he's got a hard out, I've got to go pick up the kid or mm-hmm. do oh, something yeah, for or sure. dinner or whatever. He'll come over and and leave himself like thirty minutes to forty five minutes, least. just so we can talk about business and mm-hmm. get everything done and plan what we need to get done and all this stuff. And yep. so inevitably we run up against the deadline. He's like, totally. We got to go podcast. I got to get out of yeah, here. Exactly. So this is the whole behind the scenes. And, and one of the things that just happened out of that, and this is big, big tease, tease, because we have closed the trip to Iberia. Yes. Thank you to yes. those of you that want to go. In fact, Ted is going with us. We're going to have so much fun. Ted it's goes with us great. every year. It's going to be yeah. great fun. Yeah. But we are doing pilgrimage in 2020. We are already looking at dates. It looks to be a summer trip this year. It'll be either back end of July or the beginning of August. We don't know which yet, so don't quote us yet. We are going to try to do the whole thing. We're going to try to do the raffle for a spot. We're going to try to get <laughs> registration going early. We're going to try to take as many of you as want to go. It will be a summer 2020 trip, just so you know. And again, yeah. this is yeah. ring and spa like we always do with the road tour in the middle. It's going to be very cool, but it's going to be a summertime trip this year, which I'm, we've never done, a full summertime trip. It'll be very exciting. It's interesting, yeah. So those yeah. dates were just dropping today. We were talking with our friends at RSR, so we're planning which dates work better and why on our end, and then we'll open up to you guys. That's coming early 2020. I'm very excited. That's part of what we talked about today. Other things that are happening, uh, my son injured his ankle yeah, coming off our climbing guy. wall. He was, he was showing off for friends, and he came off a climbing wall, and he missed the crash pad, and he hurt his ankle, and that's a bummer. So, uh, you know, when I, when I broke my foot, actually leg, sorry, I broke my, my shin when I was five years old. I broke it skiing. Oh, no kidding. And I had a cast for 12 weeks. Do the math. Boot break? Uh, yes. Well, no. It was it was edge of ski didn't come off. Edge of ski oh, hit my shin just oh, above my boot. The, the the edge of the ski it was really awful. Longer story, but anyway, yeah. I had a cast on for twelve weeks, three months, mm. and the first six weeks was a cast almost to my hip with the Seriously? automatic bend in it. You know, so when we take my son today and he gets a boot on, like a Velcro boot, I was like. Oh, you're luxuriating. <laughs> and, of course, no you know, problem. he's bummed by the fact he's going to miss some ski season. And all. And, uh, uh, trust me, I get guy, that. And we had, to do the, you know, we had to kind of walk through that. But, yeah. but what's funny, remember the shoes when we were in high school that were the pump-up shoes? Of course I do. That technology now in boots. And he is fascinated. Of course it is. You put the big Velcro boot on, and then you pump it up to fill up all to the gaps. To make the custom fit. He is fascinated by that. And he also, his new trick, pump that up and hit the release valve while he's near his dog and watch the dog's ears perk up and the dog look at his foot and wonder why his foot is leaking. This is what's happening in my house right now. Fantastic. I'm glad to be here to talk about cars. Fantastic. Well, the host jackets are still on sale. The yes. Christmas delivery window is probably out at this point. But I do want to point out that the host jackets are still on the store, as are the T-shirts. Mm-hmm. And the Maserati and the Phaeton T-shirt are still up. We we just got them in and we're we're cackling. The Maserati shirt is brilliant. It's, it's so it's funny. Really, really great. Yeah. So there's also the I Speak Car shirt. Mm-hmm. So order those for your gearhead. Order them for yourself, friends, family. The T-shirts are up, and we're excited to at least have a, a pretty good start to all the T-shirts that you and I have talked about for the past few years. There's that, more there's, coming. There's but a we've, good we've start here, so it's, it's pretty sure. solid. Yeah. Also, Blu-rays are. 
very good for stocking stuffers. Those Excellent. are still order, yes. orderable now. You They're can always still, orderable. Yes, or, orderable. You, you, you're you probably, can get them now. Get them right now because you have your a small window to probably still get them out of Amazon and to uh, and to you before Christmas. But it's getting tight. Yes, yes. There's also a quick update for the prior podcast when we talked about the wine emergency. Jason wrote to yes. us and he described what the wine emergency is. Mm-hmm. We no longer have to guess. <laughs> it, get this. Because it was keeping me up at night, but yeah. Get this. It is, it's real, but it's for airports. Because he said delivering anything to an airport requires a minimum of 24 hours notice, and they give you a 15-minute window of your scheduled arrival time to be allowed entry onto the airport property. Yeah, because of modern uh, security chances. Security systems. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So now, he says, imagine in the event of multiple flight delays and or cancellations, (laughs) wine consumption at the airport goes through the roof, and if they run out, this is now a wine emergency. And if that happens, all the security procedures are thrown out and you're let on the airport property immediately. It's, it's like that this ex- exists. It's like that experience I had that one time I had to go through the back <laughs> half of Heathrow Airport where there was no security at all. I'm like walking down alleyways going, shouldn't somebody check Isn't me somewhere? There, I could just, yeah, it, that's crazy. so yeah. funny. Anyway, so a, uh, a cool family tradition that was started years ago by my mother and, and uh, we, we still observe to this day, they are predictions for the new year. Okay. And all so, right. yeah, yeah. At Christmas dinner, she would give us pen and paper. I mean, this was when I was a kid. She'd yeah, give yeah. us pen and paper, and we'd write down predictions of anything that we wanted. And then we'd tuck them away, and next Christmas or next sure, New Year's, sure, we'd sure, pull yeah. them out of the envelopes, and we would mm, cackle and howl okay. about what we were thinking about a year ago, yeah, what we were yeah, thinking yeah. about mm-hmm. that at that time. It could be about whatever. And I know there's a lot of... I would say journalists, writers that predict automotive stuff based on sales data okay, and based on what the industry is doing. But I thought for Topic Tuesday, you and I could touch on our own automotive predictions. Mm. We could go back and you know revisit them. See how wrong we are later. Yeah, But that's what's fun because yeah. so many of you have pointed out on prior podcasts about how we talked about a four-door Mustang. And the mm-hmm. only way that they could screw it up was if they made it a four-door <laughs> and electrified it. And made it an SUV. Uh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Here we are. Mm-hmm. And then we were talking about the Phaeton and the Quattroporte yeah. podcast years yeah. ago. And so people are bringing this to our attention. So I thought we could have a little bit of fun okay. with this. It could All be right. in any category you want. You could touch on whatever. I've got, of course, a laundry list of things that I, want, I do want to touch on. And okay. just general predictions okay. within the car industry. Sales figures, electric cars, autonomous cars. Okay. Name okay. a category that's something that stuck out to you. And I think it'd be fun to pull this out in a year and say, okay, okay we were totally wrong on that. And what if something does stick out and we were dead on? Who knows? We, we're bound to get lucky every now and then. I, I, I actually reached <laughs> a, pig a little. finds a truffle. Is totally, that what you're saying? Totally. That's very appropriate. Anyway. <laughs> every yeah, once so, in a while. So, so this pig is going to gamble for probably further than just 2020. I was just trying to think at large. What are things that I feel like are coming either way? Okay. All right. But uh, while we're here, I will say this. Elon Musk is going to have at least two press launches of something <laughs> How did I to know make you gonna... not notice whatever's going on in the, at the company of Tesla and to Look try to not her. notice that while we're over here looking at the shiny the, object. There'll be at least the giant two of cash those. fire that's There'll still be burning. at least two of those in 2020. Okay. All right. Hopefully they'll All right. still be making actual cars that are good, but they'll be at least... Look at the shiny object. Aren't I awesome? <laughs> at least two of okay. those are coming in 2020. All right. All right. Fair enough. Well, I, I think... Um, just in general, with as much doom and gloom that I read about the European automotive industry and you know layoffs here and there and company restructurings, well, are people still going to buy cars? Will, will scooters take over? Are <laughs> SUV sales, are they going to stay where they are? Are they going to rise a little bit? Are they going to go up, down? Well, yeah, people are still going to want cars. Okay. Think about it. In the late 1990s, cars needed to do something beyond style. And All I think right. that was right. right amidst the the beginnings of the SUV crazy boom. Yeah. There yeah. were SUVs around but then. But yeah, it was starting but in the 90s for sure. people really started to take Ford notice. Explorer starts a whole new thing where it starts to explode from there. Yes. That's a 90s like car. Ford yeah. Exploder. Explorer. Yeah. And so cars are still a statement and, ex- and an expression. But yeah. I think the idea of a, a private capsule controlled by you, mm-hmm. ready to go at a moment's notice and take you wherever you want to go with all your stuff 
with just just you and just private your people. Thing, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. That concept will never ever go away. Just as right. human beings, I think you're right. Yeah, we really like that. It stores yeah. my stuff. I can keep stuff in the trunk. It's just mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes me where I want to go at the moment in time that I need to go, mm-hmm. and it's controlled by me because of you know we're all control freaks. Yeah, I've yeah. I've met people who don't like to fly in airplanes not because they're afraid of flying. But because they're not doing the flying. They're not in charge. They're not in control. Really? You can't give up control? Just Interesting. There's a, a trained professional behind the yoke. Let, let them have it. They've, they've studied. It's got to be okay. They know what they're doing. They're paid, <laughs> trained professionals to fly the aircraft. Just sit yeah, yeah. back and relax and watch the movie. Yeah. And they won't fly because of that reason. Wow! Can they can they take trains for the same? Probably can't take trains for the same reason. I don't know. That's difficult. You're going to all be road tripping. But a road trip car? Sure, I'll drive myself. Sure, I'm in control. I'm I'm the one doing the controlling of the of the vehicle. Fascinating. What? Okay. Okay. All right. All All right. right. It's that big of a deal. Control freak. But you're right. The 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 privateness of private transportation is going to be next to impossible to break. And even if you get down to autonomous pods, I don't even think that they're going to be like you and four friends in an autonomous Agreed. pod. It's going to still be like you. If you had the choice and Uber and Lyft are autonomous, are you going to order the ride share with everybody or are you going to order just the one for yourself and pay a little bit more? That goes exactly where you want it to go. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Fair point. Fair it's, point. it's the same. I mean, public transportation is great. It's going to increase and grow and it's going to need to. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we'll take it at various times for various reasons, business or, you know, all kinds of reasons. But yeah. I think the, this idea – so that means hmm. what do cars – what stage are we at with cars next? And what I think is that we're going to increasingly see niche vehicles because okay. car companies are going to continue to, to create scenarios. They're going to imagine yeah, scenarios yeah. of all types about this car fits your need for two and a half of your family members. <laughs> and you're going from here, this city, and that area, and it does this. And those are scenarios, and we've got the perfect niche car for you. Okay. And they're okay. going to be able to do that because we're going to be seeing so much platform sharing, which is okay. just good business. Yeah. yeah, well, that's how they all survive. Yeah, for sure. It is. So we're going to see, you know, seeing an increase of platform sharing, okay. which begs the question, how will we differentiate the driving dynamics mm-hmm. if it's all the mm-hmm. same platform? Yeah, agreed. What's the differentiator? Is it just tech? Like, well, that model comes with a little bit more. And yeah. if you yeah. paid more over here to turn on that tech, you could have that car. Or is it just style? Is it materials? Okay. It's going to be scenarios. Okay. But it's also, and we're seeing this, off the top of my head, redefining transportation. Every little startup is... Every big car company is trying to do that, too. They're trying to do that, too. But then it's that's not as sexy and cool to put all this VC capital money into... Ford. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The big guys... You want to put it into the small, cool, yeah. we're defining the next generation of mobility. Sure you are. No, you're sure not. you are. Yeah. You're just uh-huh. building a car, and you got fed up, and you got fired from that company over there, and you just banded together and you know presented your PowerPoint and got some money, and you're coming up with this new thing that might fail, it might not. You found the three VC guys that did not put money into Tesla exactly. and wish they had at the beginning. Feeling missed out? I think I'm starting a car Terrible. company. I'm redefining the future of mobility. <laughs> no, no, not right you and now, I are going to do not. that startup. It's going to be a gas engine with a turned key, no screens, <laughs> manual transmission. Somebody out there with venture capital money is going to be like, "That's really interesting. It's, it's innovative." I, I had no idea. <laughs> done. Off the top of my head, car companies that this is not even half of the Chinese car companies, but car companies that are electric and are startups and are flush with cash mm-hmm. and they're redefining. Name Something. the thing they're they're yeah. redefining. That's redefined. Yeah. There's Canoe, C A N O O. I don't no. know where that name comes. Canoe. No. There's Nikola Motors, which actually I think needs yeah. to come because they're a startup building electric class eight semi trucks and other semi trucks. Well, and also they're building. We saw that one at SEMA. They're building a Razor for eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, they're building a Razor and they're then they're building build a military version. Ra- and, oh wow. Okay, that's going to be in the next Michael Bay movie after Six Underground. It's going to be that. Hopefully, moving on. Yeah. There's Bollinger Motors, which is desperately in the need of style of any kind. Maybe that's the whole anti-style. It's just plus, panels. Plus the name Bollinger, I'm not sure about. Anyway, moving it's on. It's like yeah. a whiskey or something. It, it, Having a glass of Bollinger. No, well, well, that's yes. a champagne, isn't it? Honestly, Bollinger is he's <laughs> a, a he's a bank robber from the 20s. <laughs> well, that's right. Really, seriously. Anyway, yeah. So there's Lucid Motors that just announced their factory is being built, which means they can't sell anything for a few more years. 
Faraday Future is this big unknown, still another cash fire over there. It's still burning, yes. There's Karma, which is cool products, and they're wowing everybody, mm-hmm. but they have a lot of money, and they don't really sell anything yet. Yeah, it's crazy. There's, of course, Waymo and Byte and, and Neo and Rivian. It, we will Series be here EV. for a couple of podcasts just listing them all. Zooks, Rimac, Elextra. They're redefining the supercar, along with Rimac is also redefined. Rimac or whatever they call Rimac, them. Rimac. They are, Rimac, they are yes. honestly, they are the Lotus of electric cars. And let me unpack that for a second. R- Rimac or Rimac? Yeah, R- Rimac, whatever they call themselves. Okay. They're the Lotus of electric cars. And here's why I say that. They are making cars that nobody else really is making. Mm-hmm. a la Lotus, mm-hmm. but they're also using their brains and tech and breakthroughs to help other auto manufacturers figure out how to do electric well, like Lotus has done with Handling Forever. So they're outsourcing their services. Yes. I'll be fascinated to see where that company yeah. goes because they, they keep making these very expensive one-offs, but then the, but behind the scenes, they're involved in a lot of places right now. There's Lincoln Co. There's WM Motor. They're, they build the EX5 and the EXX Plus that you've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And there's local motors, of course, as well, throwing their hat into the ring with something else to autonomize and transportationize autonomize. and fix our wagon. We just we need fixing. But I maintain, despite all those other car companies, every other car company that you know, the Toyotas and Nissans and Hondas and GM and Ford and everybody else, FCA, yep. they've got all these resources dedicated to redefining their own. Mm-hmm. My brain exploded when I thought of code stacks about, well, that's what your autonomous code stack will make your car respond in that way, which is different than yes. how that car will respond yes. because your engineers just mm-hmm. thought the problem differently. They approached it differently and came up with a different solution. There so they are, wrote the code appropriately. There are no regulations. Think There's about no this standard. There's no standard regulations for how an autonomous car must behave. Outside of outside of the kind of larger tethers or, or netting, if you will, of the rules of the road, mm-hmm. think about all the things after you learn how to drive, and I know the quote-unquote official rules, how many rules you break or fudge or do differently or happen to know that uh, – turning left in Los Angeles – it's a great example. There are there Good typically luck with all that now. there typically are not left turn lights in Los Angeles. So the way you do it is you slip out into the middle of traffic between the two lanes that are crossing, mm-hmm. and you do a kamikaze left as the light goes yellow behind the last person that decided to almost run that light. Mm-hmm. That's standard procedure in LA, and you can tell tourists because they can't figure that out. Now you have to tell an autonomous car that that's the way it works in LA. But if you aren't in L.A., they may not want to be quite that aggressive doing that. But all you're right. All of these manufacturers are writing their own proprietary code for how to do it. Everybody is. And then we all throw that at the world. That's terrifying. I have a thought. Okay. In the next year or two, I'm very curious to see what new uh, – how do I want to put this? Regulations is the wrong word. I'm curious to see if public opinion shifts on Lyft and Uber – as it has with vaping. Okay. Okay. Because vaping, when it, sorry, side side rant. We've talked about this. Vaping, when it came out, was somehow safe. I'm sorry. You're still inhaling something into your lungs. And we're just <laughs> okay. now discovering that inhaling something into your lungs, guess what, is dangerous? I'm not sure that was revelatory. <laughs> okay. All right. Uber and Lyft were advertised as use your car for another great way and make money on it. And then if you don't want to own a car, you can use this, and it's kind of an alternative to taxis and public transit. It's going to help us all move better. But there have been studies already done to show that Uber and Lyft in places like Los Angeles, where it's very popular, has increased traffic. Yes, it has. And thereby, by default, let's be honest, it's increasing emissions. It's increasing people missing getting places when they need to. It's increasing frustration of people behind the wheel when they're trying to commute and they're just stress levels. It was set up because there wasn't any stress in traffic. And, in and LA please, to begin please don't with. get me wrong. Please don't get me wrong. I've used and continue to use both Uber and Lyft. It is a fantastic Absolutely. service when you're like, oh, we should just grab an Uber. It makes all kinds of sense for I, a I lot get of it. reasons. I get it. But the the intention was it was going to be this helpful thing. It has contributed to problems. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So I'm very curious if Uber and Lyft will find a public opinion shift. And possibly uh, changes in the way different cities operate with them as a result. I'm very curious about that. Another thing I'm wondering about that isn't in the next year or so, but I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Those of us that love to drive, Mm -hmm. that love 
the traditional driving, let's put it that way, manual transmission, gasoline, mm-hmm. cars you drive for the pure purpose of fun. Yeah. They exist as, let's be honest, an elaborate expensive toy. It is a hobby factor. It is. Those of us that yeah. like that at some point are going to need, love them or hate them, an NRA-style group that has our back, a lobby group. Whatever you're thinking about guns, whatever you think about the NRA, is kind of irrelevant because I think we can all agree about the fact that they are a bulldog group for gun owners. Our group has rights in these with these what these rights are. So you're saying a lobby group formed for enthusiasts of people that want to gas drive powered themselves engines and, and want to drive themselves. Okay. Because okay. we're already seeing, we're already seeing there is a layer of people that look at cars, especially cars that burn anything, mm-hmm. as the source of the problem. It's not. Uh, it's, I'm not saying it's not a contributor, but it's treated like the source of the problem. If we just got rid of the gasoline cars, the world would be a happy place. Not really. <laughs> uh, and and that if you happen to like those things or push them forward or, like we do, make a living off of them, there are those people that look at us as the problem. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm I'm painting a dark picture. I'm not saying we're here, right? This, and I'm this not, is not, I'm not in 2020 this or is where we are by any stretch. But I have already personally bumped into a few people that their perception of the car and mine are not just different; they're diametrically opposed. So at some point, I'm very curious about public opinion on the car. Is it going to turn enough that those of us that like cars are going to, have to be like, no, 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 I should have the right to do this too? Hmm. I, I'm painting dark picture. I'm going to a dark place, but I, I wonder about that. I think that exists because I do think that the car is an easy thing to point a finger at and go evil. The Hummer used to be that way for yes. sure. That's a manifestation of that. Yes, but you know all, all the things that contribute to climate change, and there are many. The easiest target is the car. So speaking of which, let's talk about electric car adoption. Mm -hmm. It's small at this point, even though you might think it's a huge swath of the car buying industry. It's pretty small right now. So I'll I'll back this up. I read that the largest lithium deposit was recently found in Sonora, Mexico. Okay. Lithium mining uses a lot of water, and its side effect is also water pollution Mm -hmm. and has potential to damage salt flats and ecosystems and local communities. On the other hand, over here, the European Union fuel economy regulations and carbon emissions rules are now kicking in as of 2020. So according to a December 2019 article written by Neil Winton at Forbes.com, a majority of car sales will need to be all electric by 2030, 10 years from now. Mm -hmm. The market researcher IHS Markets said by 2025... Five years from now, only 10% of global sales will be electric and will only estimate to have reached 14.8, let's call it 15%, by 2030. Well, we're talking about a supply and demand problem. We're talking about a materials. Exactly. Exactly right. Supply and demand problem, but also an adoption Mm -hmm. because coming back to the fueling ease of gasoline cars versus electric, I think that people would be open to it if they had a home charger a fast charger at home mm-hmm. because you think, well, I don't fill my car up at home. I wouldn't go home and pull in my garage and fill it with a fuel tank. No, I go to a gas station for that. You can't fill it very quickly at an electric charging station. True. 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 So you have to wait there. So mm-hmm. the solution is do it at home, but it takes a while and you need actually the better way of doing it. So it's, it doesn't put the strain on your it's house. It's the way to do it is grid. to get it done, to get it wired right is for to, your house. Is to have yeah. your own charger. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Not, a, not all of us can afford that. We don't have the or you, space to be able to do it. Or you live in a condo or an apartment complex where, right. how does that work? So yeah. the, the adoption, just because of infrastructure alone, is not going to explode despite what we're seeing, at least in the European Union. Yeah. And so now Mercedes has announced their EQC is not going to be launched in the U.S. for a full year because they're focusing on the electric car market in the European Union. That just kind of delays things for adoption in the Mm -hmm. U.S. and North America, that kind of thing. So all that to say is I predict status quo for another full year. We're not going to be further along. There's not going to be that many more electric cars. They're either not going to be available for sale. You're not going to want to buy one because government incentives are going down or going away. Mm -hmm. They're too expensive or you just don't see one fitting into your life quite yet. Yeah, yeah. Internal combustion engine cars will still be bought. Well, you're, but the companies supply, are very heavily invested in this. Well, but it's beyond that. The supply and demand problem is just where are we going to get enough of the chemicals to make all the batteries for all the things in our lives except cars. Now, add cars. 
and that, battery powered and electronic everything. I am not claiming yeah. in any way, shape, or form that digging for oil and fighting for oil around the globe is a good thing. I'm not claiming that. Okay, I'm not claiming that doesn't have consequence. But the electric part of the world seems to be discussed a lot of times as if, well, we'll just make more batteries. It's like, but, 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 but hang on. Mm-hmm. That comes from somewhere, too, that mm-hmm. also has limited supply, difficult to get, screws with the earth while you do it. Yeah. All of the same things we're fighting about with uh-huh. oil exist for the battery supply as well. In different markets and different ways. Yes. They manifest itself differently over here that, oh, I didn't think of that unintended consequence. And I, I, I genuinely love the idea of electrics for commuting. I genuinely do. I think they're great. I, think, I love the whole idea of it. But you're right. There's an infrastructure problem well as well about where do you charge it, how do you charge it. And, and it, the, the thing that you and I tip, typically bump up against, I'm sure this whole section will get letters, but the thing we bump up against <laughs> sure. is the fact that the general perception is that electric cars are coming next week. We're all going to have electric cars. It's going to be awesome. Right, right. It's five, like 5 6% of the market right now. It's not going to become 100 in a decade. And, and you heard my stats that I, I dug up here. This was based I, on authors pulling research saying it's not going to be that much. It seems like it's a lot. Because and that's with, what gets all the coverage. And with every car company investing in that totally. direction, it seems like, wow, everybody's buying these things. Well, are they? Are oh, but we I, actually uh, buying them? Look, the car companies have got to make them. I suppose, yes, we could regulate the entire world to say they, oh, you can only drive an electric car. That could happen. You could do that. Yeah. You can get, actually rally politicians to do things quickly. Good luck on that. But if that, <laughs> if that happened, yes, you could revolutionize what's being bought and sold. But I really think the reality is that it's going to be one of the propulsion systems available. And it's going to be, let's say, 25% of the market. 100% of the market? Yeah, I don't, not, forget this year. No. I'm just saying even long term, I don't think it becomes that. Because I don't think the makeup to make the batteries exists well enough to take over more of the market than that. So you're saying there's got to be a balance in here somewhere? Weird. There's, there's got to be some sort of middle ground balance Weird. That's very kind of strange discussion. That we is that, actually have that discussion. But I mean, along those lines, though, I do think that there's going to be more and more electric assist everything because we've seen more and more cars that have got that 48-volt system, mm-hmm. the mild hybrid system that's kind of constantly being regened and constantly being used yeah. that allows them to be more efficient, allows them to run even more screens. I mean, Mercedes is doing it uh, – Lamborghini is doing it. What did I just read about or drive that, that is doing it as well? That's something remarkably simple, and yet it ha- also has a 48-volt system. It's becoming very, very common. BMW is doing it. I think a lots lot of, of people are because it, it's, it's kind is. of a constant regen, reuse kind of system, yeah. and I think that's going to become pretty ubiquitous. Electric assist is going to be much more common, and you can start to do with electric assist, you can start to do uh, power fill. You can have really small, efficient engines that are mm-hmm. power-filled by electric torque motors so that you can actually have turbo kind of feel on a motor that gets great gas mileage. It's win-win in that regard. I think there's going to be more and more of that. Speaking of that, I predict that Dodge and their Hellcat branding will have some sort of electric assist for the next generation. Mm. It's still one of the best-selling cars, and they're awesome engines. But what do you do for a power bump to the next level? Do you, do you go and, absolutely not? And how do you offer it with a warranty? And I, and I will also be the, the, the curmudgeon for a minute and say, that? why do you need a power bump? Have you driven a Hellcat? Have you ever used <laughs> all the power? And where were you at the time? Exactly. They're not sold in Germany. Anyway, so the next level, which theoretically every subsequent generation of car has to be more better, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And define better. What does better mean? Yeah. Is it more luxurious? It's typically more, just the number just, is higher than it was the last time. Absolutely. Yeah. This is why we see such incremental steps. You think, well, you could have put a whole bunch of power in the Cayman. It could have been awesome. Well, we got to think about the subsequent generations after this one. Yeah, it's crazy. So for the next generation, think about GT500, Camaro, if it's mm-hmm. not dropped. And every Dodge Hellcat SRT mm-hmm. product, it's going to have some sort of electric assist. I see that coming. Mm-hmm. But then here's Corvette, the new C8. I think being one of the most well-positioned cars in the market, because I think GT cars as a car are going to be dying. Mm. I just don't think there's you a, being as like high the of a demand. Front, the long nose, just the classic GT car. GT look, car keep going, keep going. I think those are dying. Okay, just because of sales demand. I don't All want right. them to. I want one. I. I Believe you, me, you I, want a new 928. I, I know you do. I yeah. want a 928. I want the new AMG GTC. I want that car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that C8 is so well positioned to start to go towards mild hybrid, eventually I full electrification. Clear. I think it's very clear. And they yeah. still have that platform, yeah. and it's still kind yeah. of GT. It's usable. It's a fun car. I hope fun cars don't go away. But something's going to still need to be differentiated. Whatever the thing that powers us, whatever that is, whatever yeah. Yeah, combination yeah. and 
however much of the market share, whatever that is, I don't think fun cars are going to go completely away. I don't think so either. I don't see that. I think it's now applied in different ways. And there's there's a huge world opening up because of lightweight mm-hmm. materials and because of these new hybrid systems. Being able to make I, something where you you never thought possible. I've said it before. I love that. What What about the world of a – somebody make a 2,000 or 2,200-pound Miata electric done? Give me that. Mazda selling that as an OEM car? That yes. just sounds great. Yes, I agree. What's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with that, but it's, it's still not going to be the whole market. I mean, ultimately, what it comes down to is still the driving fun. And like I, I came back to the capsule, the personal capsule, whether you're using it for business or work or commuting or just driving for fun, that idea that it's just mine. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to be just, hey, you share that car and I'll share that car. The idea of personal ownership is never going to go away. I think that's going to continue. Thus is the reality of capitalism. Uh, Also, a couple other quick things I want to run through real quick. I think if you're a manufacturer that is not currently making an SUV, you're going to. I think that exists. The Ferraris, the Lotuses, they're all coming. They're all coming. And and I'm not really even predicting that. I'm just saying things we've all heard rumors of. But on the other side of the equation, I think in the next two or three years – we're going to start hearing announcements from manufacturers that are making lineups of SUVs where they have five or seven in their lineup. Where you're going to hear that announcement where do. it says, where, where they're going to, but you're going to hear that announcement where it says, this car is not coming back. This SUV is finishing when we stop making oh, sure. We're not making another gen. So we'll, I think they're going to start weeding out in other manufacturers and they're going to start refining what are the brands and the names that are working hmm. so that they don't have five or seven, they're going to have three. Maybe four. It's going to be, you know, the, 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 think of it in these terms. You're going to have the Mazda lineup of the, of the SUV. You're going to have the CX3 tiny guy to the CX9 big guy. That could be three or four and you're going to be done. I think well, all of these micro little niche ones in the middle, I think they're going to, we're going to see them start dying. I don't think they're all going to hang on. Mercedes has been pretty darn successful with yes. having the 450 or the 350 of whatever that SUV is. Yeah. And then they have the little bit hotter engine and then the monster AMG thing. Well, but but that's all the same. And they have all three body of that shape for every SUV they build, including the coupe flavors I know. of the two middle ones, the C and the E. I know. And then they have the big daddy out here and then they're introducing a couple small ones over here. I know. They've it's got a madness. ton of them. It's madness. I do see that continuing. I, because I think we're going to see it start turning. There's money because that means just one SUV flavor for that class and size. But it's no, just that's how it comes. But I'm not – no, I'm not saying you can't have engine options. I'm just saying you, you took what should have been three, maybe four sizes and you turn it into five or seven and you have all this overlap. BMW. You have, well, Chevy, Blazer, and, and Acadia. Yeah, I don't see the point of having both of those I mean, two. Chevy Traverse yeah. and, and Chevy Blazer, yeah. okay? Th- those are almost identical in size, okay? And there's the Equinox in there as well. Which of those three <laughs> What's dies? What's the point? Okay? Yeah. They're, they're, they're fractionally different. In I mean, granted, the Blazers, I wanted a Camaro, but I have seven kids. That's what the Blazer's for. I get it. But I think so many of these manufacturers, Hyundai's got tons. GM's got tons. Ford's got tons. We're talking five to seven SUVs for your lineup. I'm not talking about engine options in that in that uh, size. I'm talking about paring the sizing down. I think somebody's going to discover at various manufacturers that they can't maintain all of these, and they're going to start getting cut back in the same way we've seen happen to cars. Just because of finances, you're saying? They're going to pare back all their offerings? Because they're, they're realizing they're going to have too much overlap that are all just SUV. There's You'd no think, other definition than just GM realizing their overlap. Why are they unconcerned because, about how many products they offer? Because right now that is where the only growth is. So they're thinking, they're thinking, we'll throw more kinds of product at the only place which is growth, which is CUVs. But we are already approaching oversaturation. I feel oversaturated with everything. We, but we, but we've read about we've read about the fact that dealers are having issues on on their lots now and I'm not a lot of times dealers struggle with how to describe you the product anyway but dealers are having trouble differentiating C- CUVA versus CUVB in their own lineup yeah yeah and I so mean, I that's think when marketing people earn their money theoretically because it's more but I think what's going to happen is we're going to see after two or three years we're going to see stuff get paired back because okay like for example the Toreg went away hmm Volkswagen's got plenty of SUVs, and the Touareg was a sister car to the uh, to the Cayenne, okay? Cayenne, but yeah. the Atlas and the the Tiguan got bigger, and the Atlas exists, and so the Tig the the Touareg is kind of uh, no man's land. And the Atlas got a sport back. Yeah, <laughs> don't forget. A couple oh, of questions here about 
collaborations and company mergers and, you know, will we see more going out of business and, you know, cannibalization and all yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, a good example is the Telluride and the Hyundai Palisade and the Genesis GV, whatever that looks like. Yeah. Same platform. What mm-hmm. What's the difference? Well, it's trim, it's engines. Styling, these kind of things. All that kind of stuff. GM's done it forever. Yeah, they have. So Color Cartel says, what do brands would we be super excited about if they announced a sports car collaboration? <laughs> Having Saab make a comeback would give you an excuse for some funky styling. Mm-hmm. Because every other car company is kind of locked into a corporate look right now. They're exploring and they're, you know, BMW is touching on the edges of what they can do and what they shouldn't do. How 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 big can we make the teeth? When do we get braces? I, yeah. I, I think either BMW needs to buy somebody or somebody needs to buy BMW. Ooh, fighting words. Okay. And remember that other long list of car companies you either never heard of or you think, yeah, yeah. What, do, what do they sell again? What do you, you employ all these people and you have a lot of money, and what exactly do you sell? Where, where do you buy the product? What do you do you, here? We, ver, we burn VC capital. That's what we do. We burn it. They don't sell anything. We are a cash fire. They, they look That's like they service. sell cars, but they don't because they don't even make them. We disrupt people's wallets. What about BMW consuming one of those or one of those car companies consuming the BMW brand? And turn, I don't know. BMW is one of the few car companies that is still standalone. It's still mm-hmm. family-owned, yeah. partially family-owned. Yeah, yeah. And it's a standalone thing. I mean, what happens to them? Okay. All right. Just curious. Then the second question here is from Dammit Patton. Will China, with China seeing the second straight year of new car sales decline, do we see the United States becoming the focus of new car design moving forward? Not necessarily. I really don't. I, I think it's going to be, again, very market dependent and even mm-hmm. more niche. And cars designed for the U.S., I, I don't think there's going to be the continued the world car that works for everything. The Camry with... No, I don't see that. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think auto manufacturers have discovered that the world car idea is hard. I, yeah, absolutely. That you have to you have to have a few flavors that play in different parts of the world, just based on economics, based on uh, the the obvious one is how much in Asian countries they prefer to be driven. So you're making a different car experience now than those of us that only want to drive. Sure. We have our seven sure. series for the guy that wants to drive. What do you do with the seven series for the guy that wants to be driven? You may not be buying a car right now, but you're probably still looking. We're all looking. We're all looking all the time. And it seems there's always a new place to search. That's why we love Autotempest.com. With Autotempest, you only enter your search one time and you see the results from Cars.com, eBay, all of Craigslist, and many more. Or you can jump over to AutoTrader and CarGurus without entering anything new. So if you're looking for fun or you need a car right now, don't go all over. Start at Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. The weather's changing, but the sun is still out and still baking your car's interior. All you need is a custom sunscreen from Covercraft. These foldable sunscreens fit perfectly in the windshield of your car, and they keep your car a lot cooler while you're off enjoying the sunshine or whatever you're doing. I have used these for years, and I'm telling you, I swear by them. These custom sunscreens from Covercraft are available in a whole range of colors, and they're a simple, affordable way for you to keep your car cooler all summer long and protected from damaging UV rays all year long. We swear by our custom sunscreens from Covercraft. It's one of our favorite car accessories. And remember, you can get 10% off your car sunscreen by using the code EVERYDAY right now at Covercraft.com. Or you can follow the link from our sponsors page. We only covered that topic Tuesday for four hours and could have gone for like four hours more. But <laughs> we really ought to do a car debate. And I know many of you are probably ranting at your at your device during that topic Tuesday. We're happy to hear from all of you. Thank you for writing in for those of you that do. Car debates, remember, Everyday Driver TV at Gmail is where you send in your car debate or your topic Tuesday or whatever. Also, if you go to everydaydriver.com, you can go to the About tab. There's a contact button. You can reach us. I love this. Also, <laughs> you can run around on there and find things like, I don't know, crazy adventures. That, that info's coming for yeah. people. It's going to happen. We're going to do a Utah meetup. There's a lot of 2020 oh, stuff. Man. 2020 is all my brain is thinking about right now. I mean, I'm into like August of 2020 already, and I haven't even gotten to Christmas of this year. So mm. let's do a car debate for our friend Alex. Alex is writing. He's 17 years old. He's a senior currently at Yikes. Valley Forge Military Academy in Pennsylvania, and he's going to be doing ROTC at Pepperdine University next year. Yes, but the trick here is that apparently ROTC, if you're at Pepperdine and you're an ROTC, you have to go to UCLA for ROTC. So that means he gets to drive through the Malibu Canyon at 4 a.m. every morning to go to UCLA. And at this point, he's owned a 2015 Jeep Wrangler, which he's heavily modified, and he currently has a BMW 428XI with the M Sport package. He's put some modifications on this. He's upgraded the turbo. He's done all this himself. Okay. Impressive. 
So keep in mind, he's 17. This is my big concern. And he's earned himself a scholarship to ROTC. So yes. at Pepperdine. Yes. So that it's not just any scholarship. It's a four-year scholarship. Yes. Which means all of his schooling is paid for. Awesome. Unbelievable. So you Alex. have earned Bravo. this, Alex. Congratulations. And so therefore, his parents have agreed to let him sell the BMW. Okay. He can get about 25000 he thinks. Okay. And they're giving him another twenty grand to work with to get a car. Wow. Wow. And he's into muscle cars. He's got the car disease. He's into modifications as well. And he says the car, the BMW, is creeping up on 50,000 miles. This old bucket of bolts, 50,000 miles. I know. Yeah, 50,000 miles. You better kick that to the curb. About to fall apart. Wait, 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 hang on. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Alex, look. You're clearly one of those 17-year-olds that, that is together which I was not, and you've gotten a full-ride scholarship, which is very impressive, and again, something I did not accomplish. So all of this is cool, and I, I think your parents your parents are essentially giving you money for a car that they would have spent on college. I mean, I, I see how this works. It's fantastic. And you earned it pretty awesome. You, you clearly are a dedicated guy. That's awesome. I do have to ask this question, and I'm just going gonna, gonna to hang this banner up for all of us to think about, Okay. and then I'm going to just set this up as just like the thing that we all are thinking about, and I'm going to then not bring it up again. Okay. What is your insurance costing you? That's on my mind. I'm going to I'm going to recommend cars as if you plan to surmount that and not worry about it, but I'm terrified of that part of this equation. Yeah, especially a high horsepower car for a 17-year-old. I agree. Be- because he says he does. Look, I I get this. You say you want to have a car that can be your canyon carver. Now, I instantly think low horsepower, great handling. But then the next thing you tell us is you're tired of little four-cylinders. You want a V8 experience. So you want a V8 powerful car <laughs> that is good in the canyons. Now, I'm going to also go here wow. real quick, and then I want to unpack this further. But if you told me L.A. Canyons, mm-hmm. I'm going to hoon down L.A. Canyons, and you gave me the option of Fiat 500 Abart mm-hmm. or Hellcat, I'm picking the Abart every single time. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. Because it's the much yeah. better canyon car. A big, powerful V8 in the canyon is not necessarily what you want. So I want to respect what you want here is you don't want a four-cylinder. But when I think L.A. canyons have fun in the canyons, I don't think V8 typically. I think small, which would help you yeah. on insurance. <laughs> but you want V8. So I'm going to try to unpack this in the direction you asked for. Like, like for example, I, I'm just going to go there. You're a guy that likes to modify. Mm-hmm. You want a car for the canyons. It needs to run. Right now, I'm telling you Miata R86, but you don't want a four-cylinder. Right. You could modify both those cars into canyon killers you would love, and I would stand and recommend that to you all day long. And I actually don't think your insurance on either of those cars would be that bad. But you want a V8. Alex, I couldn't even count to $45,000 when I was 17. I couldn't imagine I'm still having trouble. Yeah. a $45,000 car. I'm still shocked that I own the Cayman. Mm-hmm. So... I come to this very much with insurance on my mind yeah. and modifications yeah. for what reason? Are we at Agreed. the modifying for the sake of I, I modified it, I did something, but yeah. y- you could buy a car with $45,000 that is already excellent and be in done. the canyons. Yeah. And now keep in mind, Todd and I lived in LA for quite a while. We both have experience with the canyons. We've shot a lot of films there. There's a lot of good roads for the high-speed stuff, but this yeah. is tight, twisty canyons. There's drop-offs. I am completely with you as Mm -hmm. far as having something small, nimble. Uh, The power almost doesn't matter because you can hang on to your speed. I agree. Yes. And even 4am, you're still going to hit some traffic. I guarantee you. Yeah, you will. 4am is not just, hey, there's nobody out. No, LA moves constantly. (laughs) I hate to tell you. You're right. So I think, all right, high horsepower, and then we're going to modify on top of that. For what reason? Mm, It's a good question. It's a good question. We could buy something pretty awesome. Yes. I like the idea of Miata. Well, Keep the insurance costs down. Uh, well, and that's then the go thing. nuts. Yeah, I love mo- that idea. Modify a Miata or an 86 chassis yeah. into a Canyon killer and your insurance is much lower. I, I, Honestly, Alex, I would prefer you went that route. And I think that is the better. I live in LA and I want a Canyon route. I do too. 
having said all of that, I am going to actually answer your question and think about V8s. And you brought up the ones you're already looking at. You said you're already looking at a 2018 or above Mustang GT Premium with the 401A magnetic ride, et cetera, so set up for canyons. 2015 or better Chevy SS. You know I love that car. Mm -hmm. And that is a big full-size sedan with magnetic ride that is better on the track and in the canyons than it has any right to be. It is superb. I can't say anything bad about it. You're looking at the... Current Charger SRT 392 monster car. car. That's going to feel really big on a canyon road. And then you said you've also just realized, and it's one of my favorites on your list, the Cadillac ATS-V is in this world Mm -hmm. used. Mm -hmm. That's a phenomenal chassis. Yeah, it is. And honestly, that is one of the better ones on here. I I, I see those. I want to talk to those, but I want to add some others, and I still think you should go small. I'm with you. Small will will be so much more delightful because of these canyon roads. They're not high-speed sweepers. You're going to use more of it. That's They're the really thing I'm not. thinking about it. There's guardrails. Rocks fall off the cliffs. There's traffic. I think something nimble. So I, you've heard us. We've said our piece. So how about a C7 Corvette with a Z51 package? Done. Done. Because that way, Alex, you could destroy all the myths of Corvette ownership forever and ever and ever. <laughs> People would be like, that's your car. You yeah. drive a Corvette. You chose a Corvette yeah. because they're light enough. Mm-hmm. They're small enough. They're not small, but they're no. for canyons. Okay. In, especially they're, in LA. They're a solid canyon car. Okay. Absolutely. I'd take yeah. that. Yeah. And yes, it's still got that muscle car feeling mm-hmm. and they yeah. drive and ride great because you also had on here about road trips. You're going to be driving a car across the country from Connecticut to California every summer. So you want something clearly long-term that's going to be great on freeways, yeah. just yeah, yeah. cruising along. Yeah, for sure. Welcome to Corvette C7 ownership. Yeah. Welcome to your song across country in that car, big time. Yep. You could easily get one. And again, you could just blow people's minds mm-hmm. with the fact that you own a Corvette. You can modify that thing endlessly. You can yeah. turn them into 800 million horsepower whatevers. I don't think you should right away, but you could. I don't think yeah. you should either. Yeah. Corvette's still going to look very juicy to an insurance agent that will Completely. say, oh, you own a Corvette and you want me to quote well, your insurance, huh? Uh, wow. Along these lines, I mean, what's a Mustang going to cost insure? Probably a lot. But what I'm surprised by is he brings up the Mustang GT. And Alex, I, I see it. I get it. It'd be fun in the canyons. But then you don't mention the Vet or the Camaro. Mm-hmm. And honestly, and I suspect that if you went and got a Camaro SS, so V8 Camaro SS with the mm-hmm. one LE package, I bet you it would be better in the canyons than the Mustang. Yeah. So there's yeah. that. So you at least well, need to consider I mean, that. Depends on, well, but yeah, I actually think the Corvette that. would be better than both. I think Corvette would be your car. I, I think a V8, V8 car that's decent in the canyons I, honestly, I, I can't really say Chevy SS. I love it. I love that car. I think it's yeah, too it's big for the canyons. Big car. The Charger is definitely too big for the canyons. The Cadillac ATS-V would be surprisingly good in the canyons. I think it's better than both those other sedans. I don't know that that's right for you, and I still think you can do better. I think the Corvette's better than all of the above. I think the Mustang's yeah. better than the ATS, for that matter, I too. still think there's a lot of goodness and validity to a front-wheel drive hot hatch well, sure. in these canyons. Sure, yeah. But again, Miata is still, I'm coming back to that for just, if you're really into the modding thing, then come into it with modding for a purpose, not, well, I can afford to buy that part and it fits my car and so I should put that on my car. Well, but this Why is, are you putting that on your this car? This is the 86 world too. The Miata What's is the you point? work on the suspension and the body roll. The 86 is you work on the power. Right. But and you can do whatever you want. If you've got those two and you're, you're trying to tune for a specific thing because yeah. then you're going to modify for canyon carving. And noise and echoing off the walls and all that kind of stuff. But then when you <laughs> there went Alex, the I just heard road, him go by. Yeah. Then when you go on your road trip, you're going to hate yourself. Possibly. So yeah. can you tune for both? Well, guess what? The Corvette has already done that. That's a good point. They, they've good point. actually already figured that out. You it's can track the daylights out of them. Car. You can cross country cruise. Yeah. yeah stock yeah. without any mods whatsoever. Mm-hmm. If you decide not a Corvette, there is a car. Okay that still does all these things and I think is even smaller and the better size for what you're looking for. All right, good. The answer to everything. The problem is it's too expensive. Okay. It's the new Supra. And it's a nod to your BMW love with that straight six. It's not a four. Mm -hmm. It's not a V8, but it's got a lot of power. Yeah. And yes, you can tune them from here to the end of time. Yeah, yeah. But just as it is, it's a great car. It would do the canyon thing. You mm-hmm. could cruise. Mm-hmm. Great, great, great car for all of those things. But yeah. again, you're not going to pay forty five grand for one. What about a what about a first gen non competition M two? 
Same kind of thing. Yeah. You're going, v- you're going inline six. Man, now. what are your you're insurance going to be on that? I agree. Thing. I have no idea. If you can afford the insurance, yes. blessings. Now, if, now, if we're going to go things that, are not, that aren't V8s but also aren't fours, you can spend half, two-thirds of your budget. Please don't get a new one. Get a used <laughs> Nissan 370Z. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And because it's used, you bring your insurance down. You still have yeah. good power. It's good. They're they're good in the canyons. They're fun in the canyons. They really it's are. A yeah. Really good fun canyon car. They're just it's it's the outdated. Su- it's the Supra for half price. It is. It Let's is. be honest. And you could still get a manual. You asked manual versus uh, versus auto. You said uh, you know manual, but is that a concern for the cross country? The manual is not going to be a concern for the cross country. You're going to want manual cross country. It's fine. You'll get up to speed. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Where you might double check whether or not you wanted a manual is the next first time you sit in four hundred five traffic for an hour and a half. That's when you might wish you had the auto, <laughs> though I would encourage you to get the manual. We've been all over the map there. I hope there's something that's helpful to you, Alex. Uh, ponder this a lot, man. And I and a part of me almost wonders if you need to get to L.A. in your four in your four series and drive some of these canyons, spend some time, and get a sense yeah. of what are you liking and not liking about the four series, and then shop. Because I would hate for you to get something that is too big or too expensive for the canyons that you're actually going to drive on and the way you're actually going to live your life once you get out to L.A. But either way, man, congrats, because full ride, Nazi, that's cool. That's very awesome. All right, we've got to jump to social media questions here. We've got a ton of them, and uh, we've got limited time here to get to these. What have you got? Uh, well, I want to start with a programming question really quick. D- Dean asked this question. A few of you have followed up on Facebook. Yes, we have uh, seasons. We have five seasons right now that are already out. They're all on Amazon. In fact, spoiler alert, not really a spoiler, uh, season four just timed out and has now gone free on Amazon Prime. But right. we have five seasons on Vimeo. We have five seasons on Amazon Prime. Season six begins the first Saturday of January on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Here's my attempt at clarification. We are not on the Motor Trend app. We are on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. Any way that you are able to see the programming of the Motor Trend Cable Channel, you should be able to see us in real time. If that okay. is a okay. situation like I know Hulu has a thing, I know PS4 has a plug-in. If that is a situation that connects you to a DVR that allows you to get cable and to save it and DVR it, that still counts. But you have to be looking at the feed for the Motor Trend cable channel to get us. If you're looking at a feed that relates to the Motor Trend app, you can't. That that gets much more involved, but hopefully that kind of headline version answers how you see us and how you don't. There's a question on Instagram over here. J.R. Schultz is asking, soon to be 2020, what year do we think we'll see more EVs on the road than internal combustion engine cars? I'm calling 20 to 25 years at the earliest. More than? I don't I don't know that more than happens in our lifetime. More EVs more? than traditional? Think about all the pickup trucks on the road that people just want your pickup trucks. Those are going nowhere. Yeah. By the way, we didn't touch on those in our... No, Topic don't. Tuesday rant, yeah. but pickup trucks are going nowhere. Despite the Cybertruck, what, whenever that comes out, if it looks like that or if it's a giant troll on the part of Elon, <laughs> we don't know. But I think pickup trucks, they'll be some electric. I like the Rivian trucks a lot. Yeah, they're really, really cool. I'm, really, really cool. I mean, I like the concept of the Bollinger trucks. They're just not really pleasing to my eye. <laughs> but the concept is cool, and the pass-through to you know everything about yeah. these trucks, yeah, really yeah. cool, well-built. But more EVs on the road, I think there will be a lot more. But to get to 50% sales of well, EVs? To get more than, more than there are on cars, yikes. That's, that's Especially when you think about the time. legacy of all the cars, it'll still be on the road. Well, that's what I, I remarked to you the other day. We were out, and I just thought, all right, well, my brother-in-law got that 31-year-old Saab. Yes, yes. It's janky and old and needs a lot of love if he were to keep it running. Probably should be retired, and yet. Yeah. But it's... 30 years old and here it is and it runs it's still around so what about cars that are 20 years old how about 10 years old those are they're still gonna be around a (laughs) long time and still running cars these days are actually pretty good my phaeton is almost 16 years old it's It's almost old enough to drive itself still here it is an autonomous but you get my point yes the maserati's still here yes i know that's a 2005 way back in the the dark ages of 2005 that was way back in the you remember the aughts and here Terrible. it is, yeah. and it runs, and it's cheap. And so yeah. people looking for all the fun cars and all the, hey, I can finally afford a RAV4 or something. Interesting point. Yeah. And you buy it because it's inexpensive. It meets the budget now. So EVs are going to have to come down in price. Adoption, infrastructure, it's the same arguments 
but it's not happening anytime soon. Wow, wow. Uh, Kyle Galt says, what's your position on the Honda Fit? And my first response was, my wah, wah response was cramped. No, honestly, the, the <laughs> Honda Fit, here's the thing I've said about it before. The, the Honda Fit is great. Get it in six-speed. Get the sport uh, version. It doesn't really matter that much, but get the sport version with the six-speed. Okay. The great thing about the Honda Fit is, and I, I continue to say this, it is the best use of space on the market. Hmm. Every auto manufacturer ought to pull it into their studio and just open it up and be like, how did they fit that much in that tiny little space? Big guys can fit. Big stuff can fit. It is a great, efficient, worthwhile commuter. And Ben, who shot for us on the Corvette film and elsewhere, has autocrossed one to great success. <laughs> they can be tuned. They, they've they been turned into, into people's race cars. NASA race cars yeah, and they're great. done really well. There is really anything wrong with the Honda Fit as a just, I bought it, it's my commuter, and I'm having some fun with it. Nothing wrong with that. If you were going more focused hot hatch, I'd obviously go elsewhere. But it's got a lot going for it. Forrest Jenkins says, what are some enthusiast stocking stuffers we are giving this year or are hoping to get? To be honest with my family, I'm not giving too much car-related stuff. They know I'm, I'm immersed constantly. They're aware of your car tendencies, yes. I, I try to you know, shy away from that and really focus in, especially my niece and nephew. They, Funny. You know, focus in on that. But I, I haven't told my family much stuff, to be honest, because they think, well, you, you've got it all, right? Like, no, I, I like books. I like, you know, especially car models of all kinds, you know, Porsche. 124 scale, whatever. Models. <laughs> he I wants like Porsche models. Who's Anything surprised? With Porsche. Anything with it. a Porsche crest on it. Paul's happy. But Maserati might make a cool I comeback. I am so in shocked May. by your shift Maserati on Maserati. Maserati could come out with this cool carbon fiber hybrid I am electric so shocked. thing, and everybody will perk up and be like, Maserati's cool. And I'll be over here like, Maserati this way, everybody. Uh, We're running I'm, through I'm the quad. Horrified. I'm holding the flag. I'm horrified Maserati. that you're turning that far. Okay. All right. <laughs> it's coming. They're going to be cool I don't again. Know. Mike asked on Facebook, uh, he said, we don't talk about trucks much, but what do we think about the big three right now trying to reinvent the pickup tailgate? I bring it up because, Mike, that is episode two of season six. Yeah. We have yes. the uh, the Dodge, the, the Ram 1500, sorry, the uh, GMC Sierra and the Ford F-150, and we drive all three full-size pickup trucks through downtown Atlanta at rush hour because, let's be honest, that's how trucks get used. Kevin Buck Saxophone says, if we were in charge of naming the Mustang Mach-E, what historical name would we have brought back instead? <clears throat> How much time do you have? <laughs> but none of the above? The that didn't well, happen? That's just it. And I was thinking about sedans, like a Honda Accord. Will we see the Accord name now used on a car it was never previously used for? So our association with Accord, when I say Accord, mm -hmm. you think sedan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know what an Accord is. Yeah. Well, maybe you don't anymore because yeah. it's now used on some new thing over here that doesn't have any historical connection. And I think that's what bugs people the most about mm -hmm. what Ford has done here. I I know there's the case to be made for all the alphanumeric garbage of, I don't know what new model yeah. that is and what the what's going on with all this stuff. Cadillac is actually going to be naming their cars again. Hello. We like names yeah, of cars. Yeah, big time. And they've got a lot of great names in their lineup. They we do. said that forever, yeah. Just there's people employed to just think up names. And they, but they have them all already. I, I like names. so many great names in their lineup. And we're, we're dealing with n sort of new cars that don't exist because this Mach-E has never existed before. And it's never been thought of that way. And I understand Ford. I've watched the film. I understand what they were doing to bring the historical context, to make people mm -hmm, excited mm -hmm. about it, and to change the designer's thinking about what the proportion should be so it's not just this lame electric thing. But they could have made it that way. Maybe it's Mustang-inspired, but it is it is a new name. Well, honestly, if we're talking about IP, intellectual property, why not the probe? It suggests space. It suggests yeah, future. I'm not I, saying it's a great name to begin I think with. That was I'm a not saying name. it's a great name to begin with. I don't it think isn't. That was well accepted. But when it was really first brought out, it was supposed to be the Mustang replacement. Mm -hmm. It was an alt sports car from Ford. It's not a name you want to use on anything else. It has a suggestion of future and space mm -hmm, and sure. other things. But anyway, Ford, the Ford Probe could have come back, and we all would have been, all right, fine. Yeah. I, I mean, this one. I don't know that we would have been excited. But we the certainly car is gone, far more controversial and divisive by having this it's name. It's getting coverage. Than it That's the ever whole point. Would That's the whole point. It's just because we're talking about it, and we won't shut up about it because they happen to name it a Mustang. <laughs> oh, man. Same with triangles are cool. Cyber everything. Uh, Cyber the everything. Nate no. asked if you and I are going to bring the Maserati and the Phaeton 
to Wintercross at our local track. And by the way, our local track, Wintercross, <laughs> this is how this is run. It's run like you actually go on the actual track, but they run it like an autocross. So they release you. Uh, when you're halfway around the track, they release you out one at a time. Right, right. And when you show up, it's whatever the conditions are. If it <laughs> snowed this morning and it's currently snowing, Good luck to you. Mm-hmm. If it all thawed out last night and you brought your all-snow vehicle, we're sorry. Right. I've, been, I've been the guy stuck at a warm day in winter tires, sawing through my winter tires. I have to be honest. I kind of want to. I kind of think we should. Yeah. It sounds fun. It sounds like breakage will happen, so we just yeah. need to be pre- prepared for the realities of getting towed off the track. Yes, and- Flatbedding the car home. Actually leaving your transmission there somewhere at Utah Motorsports Campus. But it would be very, very funny. Of course they have. Track these things. Have people tracked Phaetons? Because I'm about to. In the winter? Yes. Why not? (laughs) That thing is killer in the winter. I have to say, the problem is the turning. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We've got to leave it there, guys. Thanks for all your questions. We've got way more to get to. And, of course, write to us your thoughts and conclusions. And we'd love to hear from you and love to hear your debates, your Topic Tuesdays, all your stories. And, uh, yeah, keep it coming. We've got uh, another podcast here before our Christmas break. And then uh, lots to come in the new year. Tons of stuff. Looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>